Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is! Drawing board or... Miro! Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up once again and get a load of this. The NFL draft was held this past week, not in Las Vegas as was originally planned, but you know what? It gave us something we haven't had in six weeks. Real. I'm talking real sports. But now the bigger question is, will we have a real NFL season? I'll talk about that, the Giants and Jets, and oh yeah, dishonorable de Blasio, the disgrace who calls himself the mayor of New York. So like I said, listen up, because trust me, you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, first and foremost, folks, uh, let me begin by saying uh, I don't know what's happened to you and your families from last week to this week, but I hope everybody is safe and well. And if any of your friends or family members are dealing with this COVID-19, this hideous uh, virus that we're all dealing with, please uh, know that my thoughts and prayers are with you and your families and, you know, speedy recovery. And for those of you just listen, we're all in the same boat. You know, some boats are more prosperous than others, but we're all in the same boat. We all have to deal with it. So most important thing is everybody should be healthy and um, you can get back to work as soon as possible and the economy can get revived as soon as possible. Um, I'm not here to get into a debate about that because there's two sides to this story for sure, but uh, just hang tough. You know what they, you know that old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Well, when this is all over, I think we're going to have a lot more of a stronger society than we had going in. 
So that said, and I'll tell you what was encouraging, what was really encouraging to me, and I mean it sincerely, what was really encouraging to me this past week was the NFL draft. I've never, listen, folks, if you know me from all my years at Channel 9 and, and still at Fox 5 doing the Giants pregame shows and, and, and my stuff with the Giants and WFAN and, of course, uh, now on WABC Radio, I mean, sports has been a big part of my life, uh, in particular football. You know, it's afforded me a nice living, been able to take care of my family, so I love it. But I've never been, you know, I don't, I don't get nuts over these drafts. I don't get nuts over these drafts. And b- believe me, you know, coming from a Giants perspective, I was thrilled a couple of, Listen, I, I, can remember, I can remember them getting Eli Manning way back on draft day. I can remember Phil Simms. Like, who's this? You, you know, I, I certainly Saquon Barkley in recent years, and I can remember the hoopla and and the the controversy over Daniel Jones a year ago, and so far that's turned out pretty good. Uh, But I just don't get nuts. Like, I'm not sitting with bated breath like, who, who, what, uh, is my guy going to pick this guy and this guy going to go with that guy? But I have to tell you, what the, the show that the NFL put on over those three days, last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I thought was remarkable. I, I really, really did. You know, it was in, originally supposed to be in Las Vegas, and uh, I guess they'll get Las, Las Vegas. will get it, God willing, in not next year, but uh, in in twenty two. But you know, because it is pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen, coronavirus, whatever the hell you you want to call it, um, it was a virtual. Uh, you know, digital draft. And I have to tell you, to me, it went on. You know, listen, my guy who you hear me talk about, uh, you hear Bernie and Sid talk about all the time, uh, Matt Meany, who's helping me produce this today, we were talking last week before the draft, and we were waiting for the glitches to happen. And and it made sense. If a glitch was going to happen, so be it. It was going to happen. But you know what? No glitches happened. It it went off. It went off marvelously. I I was dumbfounded how smooth it was from the way it opened up with, with, you know, obviously Commissioner Goodell and and, and Harry Connick Jr. and, and this and that. I just thought it was top shelf. The technical aspect of it was perfect. Now, I didn't watch everything on Saturday, you know, rounds, what was it, rounds four to, to, to seven. But everything that I saw on Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday was flawless, spotless. And here's what really, really made me enjoy it. It was a very, it gave you a sense of real people, if that's the word, a a wholesomeness to it. You got to see, first of all, you got to see coaches and GMs for what they are, other than coaches. What are they? 
their husbands and dads, uncles, you know? I don't know if there were any grandkids in there, but um, really, when you looked at it, it, it was just a nice, warm, as I said, wholesome probably is the best word to, to, to describe it. it. It was just a, a nice, clean atmosphere. There was none of this, you know, 30 members of each family, none of the, with, with, and I'm not, don't, don't start hollering me for stereotyping, but I wasn't watching all these outlandish outfits and jewelry and this and that. It was just a real nice, and, and I'll tell you what you even got to see from the players that you don't see as much in the past. You got to see a player sitting there with his mom and his dad or whoever it was, his loved ones, and the emotion, the emotion, the guys were with it in the warmth, the comfort of their own home, and the emotions that came out, I thought, well, it was wonderful to see. It, it was a very just good aspect of, of what, you know, what you like to think sports is about. You know, it, it starts... You know, I was going to say Little League, okay, so Pop Warner, whatever you, you want to call it, midget peewee level, however they call it. And guys, these grown men, these mammoth-sized men, 300-pounders, 250-pounders, grown-ass men, all choked up and crying. And, you know, you know, like, like what, what was that in uh, the League of Their Own? There's no crying in baseball. Yeah, it is crying in baseball, and it is crying in football, and the emotions take over. I just thought it was wonderful to see. I, I, I can't say enough about the job that the NFL did putting this on. And I'll tell you what, I mean this sincerely. I know the NFL doesn't want to hear it. If they did this every year with guys in their own homes and living rooms, it'd be fine by me. I don't think... Anything was lost. I don't think anything was lost at all. I think, I think from a fan's perspective, uh, I'll, I'll say myself from a fan's perspective and a guy in the media, in the sports business, I, I saw everything that I needed to see and then some. I saw the emotion. You know, I, I, I like watching... Uh, the uh, the coaches and general managers, the happiness on their faces. You know, I I, I just thought it was, it was superbly done. And I, I, you know, quite frankly, obviously, I had more interest from a Giants perspective because I'm involved with the Giants. You know, I I do my call-in show twice a week during the season on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, and I do the Giants pregame show, so I was interested to what the Giants drafts, uh, draftees had to say, and Giants did a bang-up job letting everybody know after the, each pick when there was going to be a conference call or a video session. It was great. So I, I think the NFL should, should really applaud itself because whoever everybody's respective IT guys or gals were who set everything up, it just was, it was a marvelous show. 
it was a marvelous, marvelous show. Um, but now here's the big question that fans and media, and I'll, I'll talk some more about the Giants and, and Jets, the jobs that they, they did in the draft and the guys that they picked, because I think both uh, Dave Gettleman and Joe Douglas, uh, Giants and Jets, respectively, did excellent jobs. Now, talk is cheap. You know, as Coughlin would say, Tom Coughlin, talk is cheap. You've got to play the game. Well, you know, if it doesn't transcend, if these draft picks don't trans, uh, transition into wins, I was going to say wins and losses. If, if they don't transition into more wins than losses, then it's not going to be so good. But uh, you've got to build. You've got to build with the draft. Uh, that's the first place, and I think uh, both the Giants and Jets did that. But having said that, so the NFL draft was a success. Now, what's the big question? What's the big question? Is there going to be an NFL season? All right? Is there going to be an NFL season? That's what everybody wants to know. Now, if you ask me, yeah, there is going to be an NFL season. As for exactly when, I don't know. Something tells me I don't know how it could start on time. Starting on time, uh, you know, you know, shortly after Labor Day. I don't know. I, I just I have a hard time envisioning that. And believe me, nobody wants it to happen more than I do. Nobody wants it to happen more than I do. But let's put it this way. For the NFL season to start on time, I would think it would have to start with empty stadiums. Okay? It would have to start with empty stadiums. And I, you know, something tells me I don't, I don't know if I can really visualize that happening. Empty stadiums? Think about it. You know, we're not talking about an arena for basketball, an arena for hockey. We're not even talking baseball here. We're talking an NFL stadium, which is a happening on Sundays. We're talking 75,000, 80,000 people in a building. We're talking all the tailgating and all that business. I just, I don't know. I just don't know if, if that show could go on. Now, my gut feeling is this. If it was feasible... And again, either this is no inside information. This is just me and you, folks. Russ Salzberg talking to you, the people, you, the fans. Gun to my head, I believe if the NFL, well, when I say the NFL, the NFL owners, I'll even venture to say the players would feel the same way. If, if it was feasible, and this is just ifs, because, you know, listen, 
we're still waiting for our city. We're waiting for New York State, New York Jersey, uh, New York State and New Jersey to be opened up. Okay? But if it would be feasible, let's say in October, for fans to be in football stadiums, if, if that could really be feasible, then I would bet that the owners would say, let's wait a month, let's push the start of the season back a month and do it the right way with the fans. Now, you know, a lot of people, I, I've heard this argument, you know, and, and you've heard me talk last week about football, and uh, excuse me, about baseball and, and basketball and, and, and hockey. And when you tell me you're going to play without fans, I get it. I get some of you want to watch it on TV. You know, it, it's a diversion from what we're dealing with. Okay? I get it. But if you don't, if you think watching a game with no fans is not going to affect you and how, how the, the fun of it is, you're nuts. Every Sunday is a happening with football. Fans are screaming. They're into it. I mean, defense, this and that, come on. It's not going to be there if it's just players on the field. It's not going to be there. So if I had a bet, gun to my head, I would say if the NFL, if, there's, if it's feasible for the NFL to have fans in the stadiums, you know, by a certain date, you know, uh, what's a certain date? Maybe, let's think about it. Maybe Columbus Day. And Columbus Day, uh, I'm just looking at the calendar. I guess Columbus Day is October 12th. So one, one, two, three. Yeah, you, you know, a month. If you, I mean, if, that, if that's feasible, I don't see the problem. I do not see the problem. I mean, you could, you know, I guess certain places would be really cold, but you, you can be playing uh, your games into January, and I guess some playoff games would be in February. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you even a better one. If, if you had to cut the season down to, uh, you know, 14 games on this peculiar year, that wouldn't be the end of the world. I just, uh, if I had my druthers, I'd, I'd rather wait a month and get fans in the stands than not. Now, if the powers to be, the, the, the health professionals and everybody said, well, no, it's not feasible, well, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. But right now, the NFL is planning on a season. Obviously, we're not going to have, you know, is training camp going to be able to start on time? Hey, hey, listen, folks, from a from a perspective, from a guy, me, a guy like me who made his bones being in locker rooms, all locker rooms, but today, right now I'm just talking football, but think about it. 
Think about how the coverage of sports is going to change now. I don't see how we're going to have free reign as we normally do going into locker rooms, BSing with the guys. I don't, I don't see that happening this year. I can see. Let me give you an example. I'm just talking about the Giants. Let, let, let me give you an example. Guys like, okay, the quarterback Daniel Jones. Everybody wants to talk to the quarterback. Everybody wants to talk to. Uh, um, Saquon Barkley, all right? Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, everybody wants to talk to, um, let's say, Sterling Shepard. I think those guys will be co- come out, stand at a podium, and that's how you talk to them. You're not, uh, you're not going to get scrums around the locker. And I just don't think, you know, I, th- I think if me, if Russ Salzberg wants to speak to, I don't know, some rookies. Oh, I don't know if you, got, you people watch me on Channel 5, we do this thing, Know Your Foe, where we ask like, kind of trivia questions and we have fun with the players. I just go up to the locker, to locker and, you know, schmooze with the guys. Not going to be able to do that. Then I'm going to have to say, oh, the people from the PR department going to say, hey, Russ, who do you want to talk to? Who, you know, and, and they'll have to bring each guy out. Now, some of you people might be saying, well, that's your problem. And that, Russ, that's your problem or a reporter's problem. Yeah, but you know what, folks? You know how you buy your newspapers and read what all these guys write and talk about? Well, that's going to affect the way they do their jobs. Because it's not just in football. It would be in baseball and all sports, the way it's covered. Part of how you get information is cultivating relationships. It might not seem like a big deal to you, but you know, you know all the stuff you like to read about? It doesn't just flop out of the sky. This guy talks to that guy, that guy talks to this guy. Uh, you know, every, you, you build relationships. Hey, let me tell you, football, forget, nobody would suffer worse than baseball writers. Because baseball writers, remember, they, they go with baseball teams to, you know, they're in a city three, four games at a time. So they're hanging out with players. They're, they're bullshitting with them in, in, in the hotels, in, in the lobbies. Forget just the locker rooms. That, that's going to be over with. So that's going to affect how they deliver the news to you. So the, the, the whole landscape of how it's covered is definitely going to be changed. But, um, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, hey, am I going to be allowed in? Suppose they're having games without fans. How's the media going to be covering it? It, There's so many questions. But the one thing about football that I say that uh, football has a chance to have a real season that the other sports, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you heard me say it here last week, is a washout. I mean, this notion of having a baseball season, I think, is silly. You're going to have teams playing in uh, in Arizona in three or four cities. Who cares? Let me ask you, you met, well, my Met fan's going to say, yeah, from my mouth to God's ears, but really, let, let, let's say your team wins everything, or the Yankees win everything. You want them playing in a World Series? How, how would that look? Again, from my mouth to God's ears, a Subway Series in Arizona. 
Really? Who gives a shit? Think about it. You know, as I said, baseball, to me, I'm sorry to say it, and I grew up with baseball being my favorite sport as a kid. I'm sorry, just it, it's a washout. And the NBA and the NHL season, I'm sorry, it's a washout. Football can give us a real season, a real bona fide season. I actually, watching the draft this past week, it made me feel as if I was preparing for football. Speaking to the guys, speaking to certain guys. As I mentioned, speaking to Meany. Meany was on. He was doing a Zoom with his buddies. And they were talking about, well, this guy and this guy in the draft and that guy. And, you know, I guess fantasy football and what. Hey, it, I wasn't thinking about the pandemic just because it seemed to be real sports for the first time. First time in what, six weeks? What was it, around March 10th or 11th when NHL and NBA closed shop? Baseball's never gotten off the ground. So like I say, I really sincerely do believe that football has a chance to be football. Uh, when that happens remains to be seen. But I would certainly welcome a late start if it meant getting fans in the stands. Otherwise, it's going to be real strange. And I'll tell you, folks, for those you Giants and Jet fans who travel to MetLife Stadium, as they say in Brooklyn, forget about it. Ain't ever going to be, you ain't going to be seeing tailgating for a long, long time. Whether fans are allowed back in, you are not going to be seeing tailgating in the parking lots. Rest assured of that. So the landscape is going to change. There are definitely going to be factors changing. But I do sincerely believe we're going to have an NFL season. Uh, and if it's late, so be it. Better late than never. But I, I think if, if getting fans into the stands means waiting a month or so, I have no problem with that. No problem with that. So that's my outlook on what I think could be an NFL season. I will say this. If there is an NFL, not if, when there is an NFL season, not if, when it starts, September, October, whenever the hell it is, I do think that both the Giants and Jets had themselves a very, very, both of them respectively had very good drafts. I think they got things that they needed, um, loved, uh, loved the first two picks. Quite frankly, I loved the first two picks for each team. I loved the Giants getting um, offensive tackle Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick overall, uh, big guy from Georgia. And I loved, to me, they got a steal from the safety from Alabama, what the heck, the X-Man, what the, uh, Xavier McKinney. I mean, he was a 36 pick overall. Uh, 
I think the Giants got to steal with him because a lot of people, I, I guess he, they were saying he ran a slower something 40 uh, the combines or something, but this kid, uh, to me, he should have been a first-rounder. So they they did very well. And, then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go down each and every one, you know, because I haven't seen all those guys play. But it just it seemed that they went after needs, that they picked that kid, Pert, from uh, another offensive tackle in the third round from UConn. Uh, you know, the, the first five picks for the Giants, the, the, the fourth pick kid named uh, the cornerback from UCLA, supposed to be really fast, Darnay Holmes, and then uh, this guard from Oregon, Shane Lemieux. They're going to see what he can do at center as well. I, I, you know, I think they had a very good draft. And as far as the, the Jets, Mackay Becton, Mammoth guy from Louisville, Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor. I, I, I just think they went and got what they needed. Uh, both the Giants and Jets have one, young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks need to be protected, and Thomas uh, will protect Jones, and Becton will protect Donald, and uh, they'll have a future. And I, I just think it was the proper way to go. Uh, I think it was just a good draft. You know, I don't know that we're looking at, for example, you know, when you know, oh, we're getting Donald. He, he's the quarterback of the future. You know, that's the sexy position. When you know, uh, oh, you're getting um Saquon Barkley, you know, the number two pick overall two years ago. You know, that's a different situation. It's, it's sexy. It's what to be excited about. You know, they picked Giants, picked Daniel Jones last year, whether everybody expected it or not. He's still, you know, your franchise quarterback, uh, replacing a future Hall of Famer. Nobody gets, oh, my God, you know, about big, massive offensive linemen. But as any football coach will tell you, certainly um, – Bill Parcells would always say, you know, you win up front, you win in the trenches on both sides of the football. And, uh, you know, you got to block. Can't block, holes don't get open, quarterbacks don't get protected, they end up lying on their ass. So I, I think both the Giants and the Jets did very, very well. And uh, quite frankly, it's got me excited for the football season. So, I'm very anxious uh, for the NFL season uh, to start whenever um, it does happen. Now, having said that, let's move off football for a little bit. For the life of me, and and initially I was just going to make today's Get a Load of This podcast just about sports, but... And you've heard me call him dishonorable Dumbo de Blasio, the mayor of New York. How the hell, for lack of a better term, does he have the balls to name his wife, Shirley McCray, to, to head up or co-chair this, new, it's this task force on racial inclusion and equity? 
And the purpose is to help minority communities recover from this uh, coronavirus. Not only, how the hell does he have the balls to do this? But I'm going to go after some of the media members now. He's talking about this stuff at a press conference, and I don't know how members of the media allow him allows him to talk and not not just challenge him, but really chastise him over doing this. I mean, his wife has a horseshit record of running task forces or any kind of agencies. I mean, I don't get it. And, and he had the balls, the nerve to talk about what she's done with Thrive New York City. What she's done with Thrive New York City? Really? Do we have stupid, stupid signs on our foreheads? Is that what your, your, your citizens have in New York? De Blasio must think so. There's like a billion dollars missing from the budget for Thrive New York City. And nobody has asked Shirley McRae where the hell's the money. And then, I mean, listen... De Blasio, he, one thing about de Blasio, you could be in an, an inept putz, you're going to hold on to your job. All you've got to do is look at the uh, Chancellor of Education, Carranza. The absolute mess that he's had, he hasn't been fired, and he should have been fired a long time ago. I mean, I, I love the bullshit here that de Blasio uh, hiring his wife to, to co-chair the task force on racial inclusion and equity. Somebody ought to ask about the exclusion he's tried to do with uh, the Asian community when it comes to uh, the advanced schools, what they like to call the elite schools in, in New York City. Screwing the Asian kids out of an education that they earn fair and square. But Shirley McCoy, listen, was he going to fire his wife? The whole thing is stupid. How the hell, how does he have the nerve to do this, and how does everybody not challenge it? I mean, it's political bullshit. This is the same room that there's talk about her, like she's going to run for Brooklyn Borough President. Are you kidding me? And, and folks, I will tell you this. Any of you people vote her in in Brooklyn, my old stomping grounds, vote her in. When the time comes as Brooklyn Borough President, then shame on you. Because then you've got to be the same fools that voted her dopey husband in as mayor. And that's why you've, you've got this mess that you do. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. This guy is a bum. I call him Dumbo de Blasio. I call him Dishonorable de Blasio. And Dishonorable fits the bill. 
But he's naming her at this juncture, at this period that we're in, he's naming her to head a task force based on the good work she's done with Thrive. There's, again, there's like a billion dollars that nobody can account for from the Thrive New York City budget. Explain this to me. I'll tell you what. The coronavirus, COVID-19 in New York, in New Jersey, in this country, will be solved before we find out what happened to the billion dollars in Thrive New York City. i like to know. I'm telling you, we will find a cure. We will find New York and New Jersey and the country to be in better shape recovering from the virus then we will be able to recover the billion dollars missing from Thrive New York City, which Shirley McRae was in charge of, is in charge of. But yet she now heads yet another task force. Give me a break. De Blasio is full of shit, and so are the people he surrounds himself with. And that, my friends, is a wrap. On today, I want to thank all of you, as always, for getting a load of this. Now i like to get a load of you. Please let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. You can tell me on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can also check out my website, russsalzberg.com. My thanks to my man back at the studio, Matt Meany, for taking care of this. My thanks to 77 WABC program director Dave Labrosi and his outstanding 77 WABC assistant program director Matt Dahl. To our GM, Chad Lopez. And last but certainly not least, a great big thank you to you the people out there because without you the people, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is Ira Salzberg saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Stay safe. Talk to you next time. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.